listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to uh, day 135 and 136 of Reading Through the Bible. And we are continuing the oral tradition where we are just talking about the story. And, you know, I feel like we've just done, I know it's been 135, 136 days, but really we've just gotten the solid foundation of the story. Yes. And it's been getting pretty interesting pretty quickly uh, with judges. And so today, I mean... <laughs> By interesting, do you mean dark? <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, every great story, you know, you, get, you meet the characters, there's great character development, um, and the beauty of the Bible is that the characters have developed, the hero is the enemy, Yeah, is the hero. Wait, there's God, and, and there's like a silent... Kind of not, he's not really that silent, but God is behind everything. And then you have the enemy underneath everything. And it's, it's an amazing interweb yeah. of uh, drama. And so where are we today, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is Judges chapter 20 through 21 and Ruth chapter 1 and 2. Oh, Ruth. Ruth kind of saves us today. Yeah, Ruth really redeems this whole thing. Well, uh, <laughs> it's the kinsman redeemer of the Old Testament. Of the Old Testament. So <laughs> here's, my, uh, here's my whole previously on Judges. Oh. I'm just going to say this. So, chapter 20. After the package. Yeah. So the package being distributed, which is basically the judgment, because this one uh, concubine was brutalized and murdered, and then the Levite sent her out to all the tribes. They all gathered. That's where we ended, right? Yes. They have the first assembly since Joshua. So, like, finally, they're kind of like, oh, no, we need to all get together. They all get together. The Levite downplays his role in this thing and kind of, I think, stirs up everybody and gets them like, the Levite is saying, look at where we're at. Mm -hmm. Look what you did to me. Look what you did to my concubine. Even though he's actually not really that caring, it doesn't even feel like he wants real restoration with God or I don't know what he wants just pure justice I think he wants vengeance yeah and again it's he's playing like if again if you've been listening he's playing into his ancestor Levi and the role that Levi played out which was getting undue vengeance for one crime you're right so Levi if you remember the story we Say it again. Levi and and uh, Simeon. Simeon, back in Genesis, when their sister Dinah was raped, yeah, and it was Shechem. Yep, they overreacted. They abused the covenant sign of God of circumcision as an ambush, really, mm-hmm. to kill and wipe out that whole place. They did it, and as a result, got a curse to be scattered. Mm-hmm. And so it looked like Levi, over the course of the story, Levi had restored themselves by having that same zeal for the Lord and for the word of God and the covenant signs of God. But you're right. This Levite uses his understanding of the covenant of sacrifice Mm -hmm. and sacrifices this girl, like his concubine. Yes. To stir up all the righteous anger and kind of infects all of Israel with wipe out a town with unrighteous anger. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. And essentially it's all targeted at Benjamin yeah, so they start off targeting the, the specific town that he was in, right. and they say, "Give a, just give us the men that did this. They're acting just like Benjamin, by the way, mm-hmm. that said, give us the man 
in your house. Yes. We just want to do whatever we want with him. Now they're saying, give us that town. You yes, think so now they've surrounded the town. Right, and you think Benjamin's going to go, okay, but Benjamin, the name, what does ben, Benjamin's name actually mean? Son of, oh, no, son of the right hand. Son of the right hand. But then um, what was the prophecy? Oh, the ravenous a ravenous wolf. wolf. Right, so they're surrounding the ravenous wolf tribe, mm-hmm. and you think they're just going to go, okay, okay, take it. But no, they fight because they're fighters, and they have all these warriors, and they yeah. have all the... The left-handed guys and the yeah. guys and the and it even says in the account like they could hit, basically they could hit anything with their slingshots. Yeah, they were uh, amazing warriors. They go <clears throat> out and they go up against four hundred thousand. Was it four hundred thousand troops? Yeah. So there. So four hundred thousand of of Israel. The rest of, of Israel. The rest of Israel, and they have twenty six thousand. Right. So it's not even close. Yeah. But yet they kill that first battle. Benjamin defeats the men of Israel and 22,000 die. Yeah. So they almost, like every man almost kills one man. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, so then the, the people of God kind of go, God, what do we do? And and I'm by people of God, the rest of Israel. Like they keep asking, they're asking God, like, should we go up against says, Israel? Or against uh, Benjamin. Or against Benjamin, yeah. And he says, yes, go. They go the next time, and they lose 18,000 men. So right now, the death toll for Israel in this campaign is a tenth of their army. It's 40,000. 40, well, then finally, uh, Israel does what they're kind of supposed to do, and they truly engage repentance. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, God, what have we done? Uh, help us. We're in over our heads. And there's this mention of Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, and um, and they involve him, which we don't know why he's still alive or, or where, who they're yeah, referring to. Yeah, it's a to. reference. Yeah, who knows? It could be a reference to someone in the line. Anyway, he says, go up, I will give them into your hand. And then God really now is getting involved. Because before, they're just saying, like, it's like asking your parents, hey, I'm going to go out to eat now. But you're kind of in that 18 to 19 year mm-hmm. old age. And you're telling them what you're doing. But you're also, like, deferring to them. Like, oh, okay not expecting them to say no. And so that's how they've been approaching God. Now, the third time they actually go, God, have mercy on us. We need you. Mm-hmm. And then they go in and kill 25,000 Benjamites or 25,100 Benjamites die. Mm-hmm. And 600 of the Benjamites flee to the wilderness. Yeah. So essentially, we're at, what are we at? 65,000 men dead, not counting the women and children of the tribe of Benjamin. Sounds like they're all wiped out. Oh, yeah. They go... They... Once they rout the army, because they do, like, this whole ambush yeah, thing oh, yeah, like right. they did to uh, AI. God tells them to ambush them, which yeah, is Yeah, which a good is, idea. like... Uh, duh. Because, um, <laughs> like, the previous two encounters, they were, like, lining up, like, forming a battle line, and the Benjamites, who are known, like, sharpshooters, yeah. are just picking them off. So they're, like... God's like, really? Like, do the whole uh, ambush thing again. But that's what happens when you just go into battle thinking you are the strength behind it. So they just kind of go on some arrogance and foolishness. You get your butts kicked. And then God's like, okay, if you're serious, recognize that you need my help. Mm -hmm. Here's how I'll help. Yeah. And so so then God just says, I'm going to give the them into your hand. They, I think, go way above and beyond what God told them to do. They 
annihilate the army. There's 600 fighting men left. And then they go into all the land of Benjamin and wipe out all the women and children and devote all the cities to destruction. Right. And this is the promised land that you're not supposed to do that to your own people. You're supposed to do that to the Canaanites. Yes. So essentially, yeah, God did not tell them to do all this. Yes. And um, and God has kind of, and already in the story, he's turned them over to themselves. Mm-hmm. Like the reason for all this violence and the reason for all this sickness is because they've rejected the Lord and worshiped other idols. Right. So it's easy for everyone to go, well, this is God's people. Why is God allowing this? Or do-? No, he's not allowing it. These people chose other gods and under the reign of those other gods, this is what happens. Yes. And so our God is getting involved. <clears throat> Uh, to the degree that they'll allow him to. Mm-hmm. And so he, he gives them some victory there, but they totally screw it up. And then you start to realize um, we're not even counting the normal people. We're just counting warriors at 65,000 dead. And this is all over one dead concubine. Yes. Which every life matters, of course, but it seems a little bit of a high price. Like That's a way overreaction. Well, and then they, they kind of wake up then. Um, Israel wakes up because, from this stupor of death and slaughter, and they're like, what have we done? Yeah, and and then you learn that they've went even more, they, <laughs> they went further than what you even think by making a promise before the Lord. Yeah, they made a vow. Before the Lord saying that no one in Israel would give a wife to Benjamin, and now they realize, oh no, we are about to wipe out one of the tribes of Israel. We're the enemies of God. We should not have done this. And it, this is the point. Everything is getting so confusing because Israel is doing what's right in their own eyes, but then they're mixing. They're they're kind of taking some of the things of God, mm-hmm. but not taking it seriously. Right. And then they're, they they stop. Ask like after they ask that third time. Right. They stop consulting God on anything. They get a little bit here and there, and it is like they're taking him, um, and they're starting to use God like in a weird literal. Um, almost in an idolatrous kind of divination mm-hmm. way, like the mm-hmm. way you would use another God, like give us good luck here, and then you have nothing to do with our decisions. And and you really see it work out because they make this vow. So they understand vows before yeah. God, and they can't break it. So they realize we're going to wipe out Benjamin. So what do they do? They m- manipulate <laughs> the laws of God oh, to man. make it right. Like instead of going to God and asking forgiveness... <clears throat> Or saying, oh, God, like, there's give no... Give us an answer here. Do the one thing of repentance and allowing God to give them some solutions. They come up with their own, which is, let's manipulate the law. Yeah, so they do <laughs> They do two awful things. Awful. Um, first, they take a census of, did any of the towns of Israel not send men to fight with us against Benjamin? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah. So, <clears throat> Jabesh Gilead, which is... Uh, on on the east side of the Jordan. It's like one town that they didn't sing a sang, single one, man. So it's one town in Manasseh. Yeah. And they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go punish them for not joining us in this annihilation of Benjamin. Getting rid of the evil. <laughs> right. Right. And then so then they wipe out the entire city, kill right. everyone except for 400 virgins. And then they get those 400 virgins, give them to the Benjamites out in the desert. Well, they find the, the, desert. S- the 600 that of warriors yeah. who are in the wilderness, because that's all yeah. that's left. And then they realize, oh, we're still short 200. We're, t- we're 200 short. Okay, 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 okay. 
So this is what we're gonna do. So we just wiped out a village. Okay. Okay. Not sanctioned by God. Not told to, by yeah. us. We just this is us and solving our own. Stole women, like basically stole them and gave them over, in an like, killed their un- families. Unwanted marriage, right. which is like rape. Right. And then, now we're short two hundred. Okay. There's this. There's the festival to the Lord. The probably the feast of booths. Yeah. A festival to the Lord is about to happen. And all of Israel is going to gather there. So um, the guys who don't have wives, you guys hide out. And and when you see the time for the dance of the virgins, you run out, grab them, and run back to your towns. And then we're going to tell the husbands and the brothers of those women, we made some deals. Or the dads, yeah. Don't, don't go after them. Right. What? Let them go. So essentially... In an effort to solve the problem of we made a vow against God's people was to do more violence and then honestly like reinforce the thing that got Benjamin in trouble was their like insatiable lust. Yeah. Right? And rape. Yeah. So now they set up a system where they invite the remaining Benjamites to almost redo the initial crime. So double down. St- stock <laughs> creep, stock steal, run away, and then we look the other way because we made a backroom deal among the leadership, and so we say there's no vengeance because we're actually helping them out by reinforcing this horrible behavior. Yes. <laughs> so over, uh, I would say it's a safe estimate to say 100,000 people, Israelites, dead because of what this Levite stirred up with the concubine. Mm-hmm. Now, the truth of all, all of it is, Israel is doing what's right in their own eyes, and when we do what's right in our own eyes, and then sprinkle a little God dust on it, it gets really confusing, and mm-hmm. really violent, and really messed up really fast. That's why we have to be committed to the Word of God, and we are committed to Jesus Christ, our King, because without a King, this is what's happening, yeah. left to their own, and it is so confusing, and so messed up, that... Um, I think that's the whole point of this. This is Israel is in need of a mediator, of a king, um, to get them back on the path because they just tried to do it on their own and it made a bigger mess. Yeah, it's insane. And this is how we end Judges. Yeah, so Judges ends in a like a hopeless. I think it's a hopeless it's like very, we just finished yeah. with. Oh, here's what the Levites are doing. They're abusing the covenant signs of God to stir us all up into. It's uh, like the Empire Strikes Back of the Bible. Like, yeah. It's just like, it the feels enemy won. Totally. It's over. There is no hope for this story. Yeah, in fact, if you ended it here, it would make sense. Like, oh, it was a good run for about 800 years, going back to Abraham, the formation of yeah. Israel. They got another, uh, they kind of got their high point after Egypt, and they got their second high point with Joshua and the land. And then it took about 350, 400 years for it to totally fall apart to where they're doing civil war, Mm-hmm. Overreacting, uh, not reacting to injustice, and then overreacting to injustice with more injustice. God help us. We need a savior, a warrior. Uh, we need help. Mm-hmm. And then comes the sweet little story of Ruth. Yes. Ruth like almost deserves her own song. I don't know if... It's a little blackbirdish. Ruth. the story of Ruth we really need some truth judges got really dark oh god help 
thanks, Ruth. <laughs> yeah, so thank God for Ruth. But I have to say, Ruth starts off like more bad news. Yeah, it does. Ruth absolutely starts off like, here we go again. Because it's taking place in the time of Judges. It's, mm-hmm. again, like in the latter half of the Judges period. Yep. Uh, so things are bad. Things are not good for Israel. And obviously they're bad because it begins with a famine where a man and his wife and his two sons are forced to leave the promised land, go into Moabite territory across the Jordan, because the promised land is under a famine. So you got to ask yourself, why? Why is it under a famine, Matt? Well, again, this is covered in Deuteronomy where mm-hmm. it God says, like, I've... I've set this land apart for you. I've blessed it with rain and everything. And and as long as you keep my commandments, this will be an amazing, fruitful land for you right. always. Mm-hmm. But if there's sin in the land, there's going to be famines, there's going to be droughts, there's going to be bad weather, and things will get difficult. The God of creation will not be with you. Yeah. and you're Because you've become part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And you've polluted the land with your sin. And so we see this famine, and it's an instant signal and after what we've just read, it's not hard to imagine, oh, the land is polluted with sin. Right. It's rejecting the people of God. And so, so a man from Bethlehem, which Bethlehem means house of bread, right. is having to leave because there is no bread. Right. Perfect, perfect temperature for what's going on. Now, the one good thing is it sounds a little bit like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, where the, a character of God is leaving um, the promised land to go into Egypt or to go somewhere else mm-hmm. through famine. But when he goes there, um, he, long story short, he dies. His two sons grow up and marry two Moabite women, mm-hmm. which when you read that, so this is why I thought it was bad news at first when mm-hmm. you're reading Ruth. If I just come at it yeah, yeah, yeah. fresh. Oh, no. They left the promised land because it's in sin. And then they marry two Moabite women. And if you remember the story, Moabite women were used in Balaam's curse. Mm-hmm. Like he couldn't curse the people of God. They're so blessed. But he got in there through lusts. Mm-hmm. He got in there through the Moabite women who seduced them and introduced STDs. Yes. And a curse and yes. death. And so you see these boys marrying Moabite women and you initially think, oh, no. These are the people who were cursed to the 10th generation not to be able to come into the temple. Right. But then you remember, these are also the offspring of Lot's incestuous relationship with his daughters. Yes. So they are related to Abraham. (laughs) And so technically, which is, this is how you operate when you're like disobeying God. Like, you know, when you're disobeying God and you're in time of sin, you're trying to figure out, well, technically, am I sinning or not? Like, you're not about the spirit of the law at all. You're about Mm -hmm. the letter. Mm-hmm. And so technically, you could marry Moabites because they weren't Canaanites, Hittites, Hizzites, all the ites. Yeah, they weren't from the land of Canaan. And they were from the line of Shem. Right. Uh, so there, so, there's still some blessings. So there's still some blessing in there. So, but, but so the Ammonites and the Moabites and, were, and the Edomites were fine. Like, you could yeah. marry them if you needed to. But it was like, there's, I would say, naturally, just me. I don't even know if this is the case, although I'm pretty sure it is. There's, like, a bit of racism. There's a bit of, you guys messed with us. Mm-hmm. You didn't help us. Mm-hmm. You've always gone for what you can get. Like, mm-hmm. even from Lot, from your dad. And, and from reading Judges, the Moabites made several campaigns against the land of right. Israel and raided and invaded them. So it's like, I'm not excited. I'm really in support of this relationship with the Moabite women not, not working, working out. out. There we go. 
Um, <laughs> nonetheless, they get married. It sounds like a, a happy picture. And then in this land of Moab, um, all the boys die. Yeah. So Naomi is left with the two daughter-in-laws. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, what's what's the other one's it's name? We know Orpa Ruth. and or- Ruth. Orpa and Ruth. So essentially, it's uh, Naomi's like, look, I got to go back. I'm in a land that doesn't practice the traditions and understand the allotment from the Lord mm-hmm. of land and family the way um, God does. So I'm going to go back. And she also heard that it says the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she yeah. heard that the famine was over. God had like restored his presence among the people for whatever reason. Yeah. She wants to go back and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Her daughter-in-laws know that and they say, we'll go with you. Mm-hmm. But uh, Orpa. Well, Naomi's like, don't. She's like, like, look, I have nothing for you. Yeah, like, even if I have a, a kid, like, you get promised. Basically, they're promised, these women, mm-hmm. these widows are promised the next offspring of mm-hmm. their mother-in-law. If they're, you know, or the next brother. There are no other brothers. She's old, not going to have a baby. And even if she did, you're going to wait 20, like, you know, wait 15 years. I don't think so. So just go back to your homeland. Trust me. Have your families take care of you. I got nothing. I'm an old widow. Well, Orpah says, cool, I get it, Mm -hmm. I'll go. But then this is where you have Ruth, and really you start to see Ruth's conversion. Yes. Like, she has a real conversion experience, which is cool because we haven't seen much of this, especially through Judges, and even Joshua, which was about allotment. It's been a while. And uh, it's been a while since, who was it, Rahab? Yeah. Um, Where you see someone literally go from being being a pagan to going, I believe in your God, Mm -hmm. you are my people, I will trust in you. So she's like, Naomi, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to do, I'm, I'm going to follow you. And Naomi gives a sweet, um, I mean, there's so many like sweet blessings in yes. the first chapter and two of Ruth that it's just great. Like, like Naomi's saying, is talking about God as Yahweh being mm-hmm. like intimately involved in our lives and our personal affairs. And then Ruth is clinging, your people will be my people. And she confesses faith. And then, um, Naomi's like, all right, let's go back. Mm-hmm. So they go back into um, into Israel. Yeah, into Bethlehem, Ephratah, which I do want to make a little note. This is the well, this is the town that um, Caleb founded when he took his allotment mm-hmm. and lived, and he killed some giants to be in this town. Yeah, and set this town up. And so again, I just always want to remember like that's the context of this town. And the type of people that come out of this town are pretty in line with Caleb, yeah. his character. So you, you figure these people are zealous, and they remember the Moabite stories. They remember mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. stuff. So when, when Naomi comes back, they're like, okay, who's this woman? And it's a Moabite woman you're bringing mm-hmm. into a place that's kind of historically been zealous for mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And so um, she's, Naomi's like, look, you got to be careful. She, um yeah. But she says, I do have a kinsman. There is someone who's in our line named Boaz. Yeah. And so Boaz means worthy uh, worthy man or a warrior, right? So Boaz is basically going to be a good dude. And um, she goes and just wants to get noticed by him. And it works because he notices her. And, he, and you kind of see from the beginning that he's giving her advice to be safe. He then, um, and she's really thankful about it. Um. The, the yeah I know yeah say something. Uh. Anyways, yeah. So she goes out to like 
just gather field like so again this was part of this was really cool to see that israel was actually doing some of the stuff that god commanded them in leviticus and deuteronomy and one of the things was when you uh go through your field and gather the grain from the field don't go back twice right like just go through it once get what you can get and then leave everything else for the poor the widows and to go through the fields and pick up the extras. Right. And so that's what Ruth is doing because she has, they have nothing. And so she's wandering through the fields and she ends up in Boaz's field and Boaz notices her and, and he recognizes and uh, reveres what she did for Naomi. The fact right. that she stayed with her mother-in-law, the fact yeah. that she like took care, is taking care of her and honors her and like converted to their God, like, He's like, that's awesome. He hears her confession is like, I'm for you. Yeah. And so he's like, that's amazing. And I want to bless Naomi. So you take whatever you need. I will make sure that people leave extra for you. You gather with my women. Like you do. Like he sets her up. Well, I like he says, the Lord repay you for what you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Yes. So he's like. Uh, we'll, yes. we'll put our arm, our our wings over you and bring you in. And then he says, essentially, all your labor will be easy. Like mm-hmm. you'll be ridiculously blessed. Like you'll just be doing some gleaning, mm-hmm. but you'll get way more than you need. Which reminds me of like when we come under the wings of Christ. Well, I'll talk more about that. But like even in our work, we come as kind of orphaned widows in need of a, a redeemer, and God blesses our work, and He blesses. Mm-hmm ridiculously uh anyway that happens a lot of blessing going on here i i do want to note that she even makes a comment of like i'm a moabite like why would you let me do this and so it was interesting you made me you reminded me of this when you said the last true conversion story we got was rahab yeah rahab is boaz's grandmother so So rahab kind of was she with Manasseh or something hung out in no she was Judah oh this is Judah we're in Bethlehem this is Judah this is tribe of Judah oh but Naomi okay gotcha I was thinking Ruth Ruth is related to Rahab Rahab is Boaz's grandmother oh there we go so he knows the story of conversion and women and he's going oh you might be like my mom oh yeah my grandmother yeah cool my grandma who was counted really faithful Mm -hmm. and so yeah he's way more open to this kind of like inner a, a inner foreigner and, yeah. and he recognizes the uh, the conversion, like the the honest conversion yeah. of like I'm gonna abandon everything I knew and grew up because this is the true God and probably respects that. And yes. so I think that's another like that's so why cool. he's showing mercy to this Moabite woman. Nice. That's pretty cool that I came up with that, then you formed it. And now I think it's really cool that you said it because it's like you're teaching me with the things I gave you. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, I think that's great. And then Naomi drops that, oh, by the way, he is a redeemer. Yeah. He's one of our redeemers. So I had to look up that. And uh, and here's what a redeemer does. Mm-hmm. One, he buys back the property that was lost by the relative. Mm-hmm. Then he buys back, um, if the relative, let's say, the, let's say uh, I'm your redeemer, you die. So I buy back the property that you lost. I buy back your relatives and all the people who are dependent on you who were enslaved or had to sell themselves. Mm-hmm. I buy you back. Then I get restitution for the crime um, whose victim is dead. So if there was a crime against you, then I 
go after that person to avenge. Mm -hmm. Well, I get restitution. So that could mean like whatever money or whatever, like just kind of, that's what I think that means for a crime. Mm -hmm. Then the fourth thing was if it is a murder, I would avenge the murderer, your murderer. I would execute whoever killed you. Then I would assist like Christina and your family in the uh, lawsuits and restoring the land, restoring the family name, restoring everything. And that was the job of the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. So Naomi knows, okay, we got Boaz, who is one of our redeemers. Now, we live in a time when everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And all that redeemer stuff is taken from, I think, Deuteronomy 25. Yes. Is where the law puts it out there. Because this web of family is what we have. When things go sideways in a corrupt and sinful world, mm-hmm. we need a web, a security blanket of family. And God commands us to be that for each other, yes. especially in family. Yes. But we're living in a time of judges when I think it was rare that this was happening. Probably, yeah. And so um, so the hope of it was 50-50. Like, I hope... Like, he remembers Like, your family... Stuff? Yeah, like, Christine would be like, I really hope Adam remembers, but she's a widow now in a culture yeah. that doesn't... You know, well, Boaz, we're going to find out, does remember. But I got to tie it into this. It just makes me think of Christ, our Redeemer. Yes. Who comes with the idea of our inheritance is the earth... So as he's walking into Jerusalem to, to fully redeem us, he's talking about the rocks rejoicing. He's talking about the whole world is mine. He's going to uh, buy us back from slavery. We're not mm-hmm. slaves. We're from Abraham. Yeah, you are. You're slaves to sin. He's going to get restitution. He's going to avenge our murderer. Like he's going to defeat Satan on the cross and he's going to assist then in all the lawsuits, right now it's like we are in the middle of lawsuits until he comes back, yes. where we're defending what's ours, we're going for what's ours by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like he's truly our redeemer. Yes. And so we get, and he even says when he comes into the um, Jerusalem, I wish that I could get you under my wings like little chickies, mm-hmm. you know? So it's pretty great. So Ruth, is. it took a nice turn there with blessings and conversions. Thank, thank God. God. <laughs> and thank God again. Like I don't, I don't know. More, the more we do this, the more I think um, anybody who accuses Christianity or Jewish, uh, Judaism, I mean, the, if you accuse the Bible of being sexist, you seriously haven't read it. Right. Because all we've read about are women finally stopping the stupid and evil men. Yeah. Like the Bible is lifting up these warrior women who throw millstones on their head, women who actually convert and are saved, women who are behind Jesus and with like, mm-hmm. I don't and being taken care of and provided for and, and given an inheritance and, and the and, illustration that we are the bride and mm-hmm. we are the apple of Christ's eye and like in God's eye. It's like, no, no, no. We're the people who love now in our sinfulness and brokenness. Sure. We're total uh, murderers, but that is not our story. So the world can put that story on us all they want, but it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause, and so I'm so glad to see Ruth here is this humble servant who's going to turn start to turn the story also it is in line with king david mm-hmm. which we're starting to ramp up now yeah so i when i first started reading this <laughs> this morning i was going how did this story even make it in here but then i had to remember oh this was written most likely in the time of david during his rule and they were giving a cool sweet story about his grandparents right 
and being like, oh, let's let's tell the story about how his grandparents met. That was a great story in the time of Judges, which was a really dark time. And you have to, yeah, and you have to defend, like, the lineage. Like, mm-hmm. how are you rightfully our king? Yes. Um, especially after the Saul debacle. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll get we'll into get that. There. Yeah, we'll Later. get there. Awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Ruth. We really needed the truth. That's all I got. <laughs> Not a lot. Okay. So let's move to uh, let's move into our New Testament reading. Yeah. So our New Testament reading for today is John eight, uh, chapter eight, verse thirty one through chapter nine, verse thirty four. Oh boy! So much good stuff here. Oh man! So you already dropped this, but did I? Yeah, so we start immediately in 31 where Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So we had this moment where he's saying he's the light of the world, and we have this mm-hmm. quick line in the verse before saying, um, many who heard this believed in him. Yeah. And so now he's addressing the people who believe are believing in him, and he says, uh, if you abide my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yes. Uh-oh. and. And, so good. And then their response is like, oh, come on. Their response is, we are offsprings of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. You, and so how is it that you say you will become free? So many problems with that. Uh. That response is so, like, ignorant. <laughs> it's exactly what we all response. do. But the response, I see it now, is first of all, first of all, the truth is, Jesus says, you, you will be free. You will know the truth. How? By hanging out with me, uh-huh. abiding, like just sit under my word, let my words inform you, and you'll be free. Just hang out. Okay, so that's really cool. That's a whole sermon yeah. series. But then their response, though, cracks me up because I had to respond in my own little notebook here, like, never enslaved? Really? Really? <laughs> really? Because, uh, okay, let's not even say the little ones that we experienced in the book of Judges. Let's just talk about Egypt. Egypt for a second. For, I don't know, 400 years. Assyria, which yeah. is the whole northern Babylon. What about the Roman soldiers that currently are occupying your capital religious city? <laughs> are you joking? You don't, yeah. You're not even speaking remotely the truth. You're not free at all. Yeah, and they're hanging on, and they saved Abraham. They don't say Moses in this one. They right. say Abraham because Abraham was known as Abraham, a free man. Right. And so they are s- skipping Moses, which is the guy they usually would hark back to. But Moses came straight out of Egypt. So you don't want to use that as an example of freedom. Yeah. But it is so fascinating, the blinders that we put on, like, immediately. And these are the guys who are, like, kind of being sympathetic towards Jesus. Well, but Jesus says, you'll be free. And they're like, what? How dare you say we're not free? Well, then, and Jesus, I think, is really gracious with these guys. Yes. Because he does say, look, uh, if you commit a sin, you're slave to sin. Yeah. So, like, you're slaves to disobeying the law. You know this. And so a slave doesn't remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. So then he's telling them, I am the son. I can set you free, and you'll be free indeed. And then he, he goes, okay, let's go back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. Abraham... If you are truly the sons of Abraham and free like him, you would be looking for me. You would be excited to see me. Because Abraham was excited to see me. But you want to kill me. 
mm-hmm. because my word finds no place in you. And so now um, Jesus doesn't really respond. Like he does, he could, he could go on about the uh, freedom thing, but he's going right to the source, which is like you're free because I'm here to tell you you're free. Mm-hmm. So stop telling yourself you're free. You're not, and you know you're not free. Right. So that's not helpful. Then they answered him, look, Abraham's our father, straight up. He says, if you would act like your father, you're not acting like your father, Um, you seek to kill me, this is not what Abraham did, so you are doing the works of your father. And then they said, they get real nasty here. Yeah. And I see it more clearly than ever. Yes. In light of the Old Testament reading, they, they say to Jesus, we're not born of sexual immorality, we have one father, even God. So they're saying, look, you're the... and." Okay, little kid earmuffs, but you're the bastard child, yes. Jesus. We don't know who your dad is. Mm-hmm. We know ours is Abraham, and we know ours is God, which is funny. We have one father, even God. And this sets... Jesus doesn't respond kind of in an uh, angry way, but he, he responds in a very truthful way. He's like, well, this is amazing. <laughs> so if, you're, if God were your father, then you would love me. Yes. For I came from God. I mean, he's being as honest as he can be. I yes. think it's like, remember in, uh, I don't know, some movie, it's like, am I taking crazy pill? Like, I'm telling you. Yes. I'm sent from God. You're saying you, you're you from God? Why do you not understand what I said then? Mm-hmm. And so it's all about um, Jesus trying to give the idea. He's trying to say, look, here's how you know who your father is. You act like him. Yeah. So then Jesus then goes all the way down to... You're acting like the devil. Your father. And maybe it's because he's your father. The yeah. father of lies. The father of death. The father who hates the son. Mm-hmm. You're, that's exactly how you're acting. And so, uh, and then he goes, so look, which one of you convicts me of sin? Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear is that you are not of God. So then they get even darker, right? Yeah. They accuse him of being a Samaritan mm-hmm. because, again, it's a half-breed. They're going back to his um, mom not having a, you know, it's not being Joseph's son. Yes. So you're a half-breed Samaritan that's confused, a heretic, and you have a demon. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Okay, so this th- is wh- why do, and you're like, why does this bother them? Well, then he responds, I do not have a demon. He's being honest again. Yeah. He's like, I um, don't seek my own glory. Truly I say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. So now Jesus just says, look, if you want to get out of dying mm-hmm. and death and under the slavery of death, see, that's the slavery we're under. We mm-hmm. weren't created to die. It says now, um, they says, look, this is the way to get out of it. Trust in me. They say, now we know he has a demon. Abraham died as did the prophet. So their defense is the people that we trust for the words of life, they all died. They're under the reign of death. What are you, greater than them? Yeah, you can't be greater than them. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, okay. So finally, Jesus just breaks it down to them and says, um, if I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But the thing is, I do know God. I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see this day. He saw it and was glad. Then, again, they take him literally, not seriously, and they're like, but you're not 50 years old yet. So it's the idea is, Either you're too young to have the wisdom of Abraham or you didn't know Abraham. How could you say that um, anything about Abraham? Yes. And then Jesus drops. 
<laughs> the before. greatest one-liner. Yeah. It's, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Which is a straight-up declaration of, like, I am God. Yeah. And before Abraham, I am. Yes. Like, I was the I original, existed. I'm the OG yeah, I'm original the, God. Original God, uh. man. I'm the, I'm the original God, man. I am the original. Well, their only response to this is because they've exhausted all their insults and challenges is to pick up rocks. And like, we're just going to kill him. And then Jesus somehow disappears, hides himself, and gets himself out of this situation. Well, it's so funny. Like, You have to ask, why does all this bug them so much? Mm-hmm. If they're right, if they feel right about it, like, why does it just get them so upset? I, I mean, part of the my thing I'm thinking about is just thinking about the fact that they are actually under they are under Roman rule right now. They're not free. Right. They they are having to like there's signs to Caesar around their religious city. If around a soldier the asks them to carry something, they gotta like, do it. Yeah. Like they are not free, and they are, I think, chafing under that authority and mm-hmm. it is a mockery and they are in the depths of we have like if we obey the law perfectly then we will be free again and we're doing everything right and we'll be blessed by god but instead it's crushing them and instead it's crushing them and there is no freedom to be had and so when jesus comes to say hey i'll fulfill the law you just trust me i come to set you free they're like you're just gonna sidetrack us and screw us up and the right. only place where we feel powerful in our religion, because that's what religion does. Mm-hmm. It gives you power when you're just, yeah. And so uh, that's why they want him dead. I think it bugs them because it's messing with the only power they have, yes. which is over God. Mm-hmm. It's pretty gross. Well, um, so their self-preservation leads them to be against the Son of God. Mm-hmm. And then I do think, I know we're, we're up against time here, but one of the greatest stories, uh, one of the greatest encounters is in John chapter 9 with this boy born blind. And even the disciples, I think I think it goes along with um, the light of the world and what mm-hmm. God's doing. The disciples ask, did this this man, mm-hmm. we think he's probably, he's pretty young, a teenager. Yeah, we think. Yeah. He's old enough to be a man, 13 years and one day. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he was born blind. And and that's why they know he's born blind, because he's so young, I think. Uh, yeah, I and agree. so they're like, did he sin or did his parents sin? Mm-hmm. Because the idea of religion is... Okay, so here's here's long story short. In the kingdom of man, when you do bad, you get bad. Mm-hmm. You do good, you get good. doesn't always work that way, but generally that's... You show up to work, you get paid. You don't, you don't. We apply that to the kingdom of heaven which is much different. And so I think like even the, the disciples are saying, this kid's born blind because it's like karma. You did something bad, you got something bad did, back. Yeah. Jesus says, no, no, no. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm-hmm. And what occurred to me was that in the kingdom of heaven, God is so good. He, no one can compete with his goodness or glory. And anything you do is going to be bad. So if, if the kingdom of God worked like the kingdom of man... We would all be constantly uh, receiving bad. Yes. So the gospel <laughs> there would is, never be anything good. So the gospel from the kingdom of mm-hmm. heaven is: I give you good for bad. Simply ask, cry out. Mm-hmm. I will give you good for bad. Ridiculously, and that's what Jesus is saying. So, like, 
anybody that comes into the kingdom of God, it's an opportunity for God's goodness to overshine the badness. Right. So yes, sin and all that stuff. So he's not blind because of anything he did in the uh, spiritual world. In fact, it's just an opportunity for us, for God to open his eyes. And then he goes on to heal this guy. He says, I'm the light of the world, which is like a a creative. So the first thing, let there be light. Mm -hmm. And then what does Jesus do? He spits in the earth, Mm -hmm. creates a paste, right? Yep. And anoints the guy's eyes, which to me is like this earth creative activity. Thinking about like the creation of man and creating him from the dust. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's totally what he's doing there. And so it's an invitation for... recreate. Yeah, for man to be recreated in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Not operating under the, the... the religious, you get what you yeah. you sow, kind of reap what you sow of the kingdom of of man, and so um, he then tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Mm-hmm. Of course, his eyes are restored, and then here comes the discussion that we just had about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, only now it's with this boy, uh, this young man who's received his sight, which is where did he come from? Yeah, who are your fa- who are you? Are you really the man? So. He's like, I can see. And then the Pharisees are all called and they're like, two problems here. One, someone worked on the Sabbath. Yeah. Two, uh, we don't think you really were blind. Yeah. Were you really blind? And so you spent all this time asking his parents, asking him. He's like, yes, we love this character because he's like, he's got this youthful arrogance. Yes. And the kind of arrogance that happens when your life has been changed. Like, (laughs) I don't care what you say. I was blind and I can see. Yes. And uh, this bothers the religious elite to the point where they get his parents and his parents say he's old enough. So he's probably 13, 14. Yeah. So they're like, was this your son? Was he born blind? Tell us now. They're scared because they're going to get thrown out of the synagogue mm-hmm. if they align at all with Jesus. Yes. So we think, they're like, look, the boy just had his bar mitzvah. He's yeah. 13. Ask him. Yes. And then the kid just totally like smokes him with his theology <laughs> so because he's just like, okay. They're like, give glory to God, which is give us a good testimony. We know this man's a sinner. He's like, you know what? I don't know if Jesus is a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind. Now I see. Mm-hmm. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He's like, I've already told you. Do you guys want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? That's what <laughs> threw them over the edge. And they're yes. like, they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. Now they're gone. They're losing their minds so much over this kid that they're like fighting with him about Moses being their father, yes. even though Moses condemns them. Anyway. And then I love how he says, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind, which is a fascinating statement because as I think about it, I don't know before Jesus, if there is a story of a blind man receiving sight at all. I mean, Samson lost it. But I do want to mention, too, that the theology of this young boy is not fully worked out. So he's like, he is still like saying God only listens to righteous people Mm -hmm. or not. Like God hears the cries of sinners. But his point is clear that this kind of stuff, this creative force for life doesn't happen he is truly a prophet, the prophet, whatever. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. And so uh, they, the religious elite simply say, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. 
And we were commenting earlier, the kid was probably like, you know what? I really got out of that synagogue scene just in time. Yeah. Because in eighty seventy, it's going to be uh, completely, yeah. the temple is going to be destroyed. So uh, I, this story is great. The blind man, um, the blind young man thinks the whole thing is ridiculous. And he says, I am the man who once was blind and now I see, which encourages all of us. doesn't matter how old you are. When Christ uh, comes into your life, your witness and testimony is simply to share what he's done for you. And no one can, re- dif- mm-hmm. no one can refute your experience with Christ. They can come at you with Moses and all, but it's like, all I know is when I was once blind, now I see. Praise God. Praise God. So today we are going to read Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.